With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the metro. No mask, no metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line. Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Yes, welcome again. Touchline Hot Spur. What episode are we on? I'm losing count already. It's only like episode four, isn't it? Yeah, episode four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode four. Um, you're here with myself, Era. Uh, we've got Tyler here today. How you doing, my bro? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, you know. I've been keeping well, man. Still trying to get my beard to new levels, you know. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. My barber How you doing, Tots? Yeah, good, man. What's cracking? No, I'm good, man. How you been? How you been keeping this week? Yeah, well, right, man. You know, busy week, uh, working that, but happy to get onto the pod, get get, get chatting with, with with my guys today. So it's all good. It's all good. Another, another positive week, yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Can't complain, man. Ohio. Hey, dear, my brother. I'm, bro, I feel like three kgs lighter with, with this no beard. Brother, I get I get ID'd for Red Bull these days. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way the vibe just changes every week, bro. Really, your magic, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm calm, man. Just recover, still recovering from bottomless brunch the other Saturday. Okay. <laughs> two, two hours prosecco at lightning speeds. It was lit, man. And I step outside and it's still broad daylight. My body was confused. Bro. <clears throat> The best ones, bro. Trust me. Best ones. I thought Sai was drinking one. Nah, it's about to say. <laughs> That's my guy, Sai. So, yeah. Back in malt. I thought he was back in the beer. How you doing, Sai? I'm good, man. I'm good. After all of this beard talk, man, I had to, I had to trim my. Getting off. involved, joining the party, yeah. Go tea, go tea. Back to go tea, guys. <laughs> Is it got hot after that uh, Discord live, innit? So. Mm. Oh my days. <laughs> What was, what was the Discord live saying? <laughs> I was sitting there in the in the pool of fire. Uh, <laughs> 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 and one of those guys, you got your nickname already. One of those guys. It was needed. It was needed. Oh. Cancelo. Cheese. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my bro? Hey, yeah, I'm very good. I, I Enjoying these vibes, talking about beards, it's so, so fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> <not late. laughs> I, saw, I saw you get sort of chucked in, in the, um, the flame pit <laughs> on, the, on the last podcast as well, the Touchline podcast. With, just with the whole Cancelo thing. I... More with the, the, yeah, chat with the Aubameyang stuff, man, Aubameyang versus Kane. See them ask you I mean, we saw the, the poll afterwards on the, the main touchline fucking Twitter, and uh, we know who won that on the landslide. Yeah, come on, come on. Oh, I was going to say we could have done an eye test for that and just seen who had a better hairline out of Kane and a bummy angle. Or who had a better hairline out of the fans, even. Nice, nice, nice. I let Kane do the talking. Well, you know what? It's like Kane heard you lot this week, but because. He stepped up. I think we should start with uh, Leicester. 3-0. I think we all predicted a win going into the game. Mm. Mm. And yep. you know what? The boys delivered. It was the same lineup as the last week. Um, I say, let's go with Sai. What are your thoughts? Come, come. Give us a read out of the game. Leading, leading in our triple captain, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I respect you. Every <laughs> <laughs> Um No, I was confident. Uh, Kane Kane has what sixteen goals in fourteen appearances against him, or something yeah. like that. So, for me, it's 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 quite a funny one. We basically Leicester Leicester, innit? Because last time they were a team worth talking about. That's how they used to play. They played a four four two and banging on the uh, counter attack. We did that to devastating effect, and I was I was happy with it. Kane, Kane looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the fitness seemed like it came back. 
the incision came back. He's pinging the ball left, right, and center. Played what two beautiful balls to Sun. No complaints from me. No complaints whatsoever. Is this our first eleven now? Do you guys think? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I think because we've seen we've seen the same squad used in a four-two-three-one, in a four-three-three, in a four-four-two. Like this is probably the most. I'd say tactically flexible, if that's what we want to call it, Jose, that I've seen in a while, which, you know, I'm, I, I'm still neither here nor there with Jose, but I've got, I've got to give him that. If we can, if he can keep doing that with the same group of players, you know, if they feel like they can, you know, activate properly in different shapes, different strategies, then it can only be a positive thing. So it does look like this is the, this is the 11 for now, because we've got one game left in that, but it is, yeah. I think, I guess... For all the stat watchers out there, because I guess it's kind of obvious we've got some stat watchers <laughs> <laughs> following the pod. But um, the stats, if you just looked at the stats, I mean, like, let's ignore the 3-0 for one second. This is not what Spurs fans are used to, I guess, being the team that sort of um, don't have the possession. I think it was something like 20, 30% possession? Or yeah, 29%. Second, possession. second lowest possession of the season or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, is this something Spurs fans are going to put up with, do you guys think? We keep saying 3 nils and damn right. <laughs> I see that matters. To change, true, that's when everything's going to change again. And um, I forgot who it was. I think it was Genus who made, mm-hmm. I thought, a valid point. Not many people agreed with him. That um, when the fans come back into the stadium and you're seeing a team not as good as Tottenham in Leicester um, dominate the ball in like 70, 80% possession, are the fans going to start groaning when Sissoko misplaces another first touch yeah. and all that kind of stuff? And I think we're actually benefiting from not having the fans back a while lane for now. But um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes on from next season. It, it is interesting, actually, because I think it, we, we even have the proof of how much sort of the fans make a difference in that we, we had the last season at the old White Hart Lane. And then we went into the new stadium and, and we could see the difference in, I guess, um, so I don't know if you guys know all of the fans were like moved around the stadium and things like that. And you can definitely see the difference in the atmosphere straight away. Do you guys think that had an effect on like Poch at the beginning of the season? I know it's a bit random, but <laughs> I thought I'd throw a curveball in there. Do you guys think the fans are, have that much of an effect or is it? I think definitely, yeah. Like even, so if we just step back from that particular context, you know, I'm sure you boys have probably all heard I haven't seen the actual physical numbers, but there's been way more away wins um, for, for, for teams this year. May, well, may way more away points have been picked up. It started in, showed in the Bundesliga. It's mm. now showed in the Premier. It now feels more, the games are a bit more even. Like, away teams more likely to go for it. Um, and then bringing it back to the context of Poch, I think it's like, you know, we, we were getting to a point where as a fan base, we were getting a bit like, okay, when are we going to get to the next stage? When are we going to get there? Mm. And then so, you, so you've got those people walking into the stadium with that mindset. And then we're not winning games. Or like you said, Sissoko is, mis- is misplacing every other pass or, over- or overdoing the simple ones. And, you know, the amount of human beings, do you know what I mean? If mm. they're hearing nearly uh, dozens of thousands of men just moaning at their misplacing a pass, just no matter how much money you make, you're always going to be a human at the end of the day. If you're hearing that many people get on your neck, you're not going to want the ball the next time. You know what I'm saying? Or Poch. Mm. Although Poch must have loved the job, but there must have grown a point where he, was, he just didn't fancy going to work at certain points, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I can I can attest to that. I mean, I've I've had the privilege to go to a lot of games over the last 
few seasons, especially last season at White Hart Lane and then the transition to new ground. And for whatever reason, everyone only gets up for the big games and it, it creates quite a toxic environment. Like you can visibly see it in guys like Winks, uh, guys like Sizoko even, mm-hmm. who a lot of the time the expectation of what they should be doing doesn't match what they might do on a pitch at any given time. And when someone like Winks misplaces a, a, a pass, which is heavily contested because no one's there to protect him, you do sort of feel for those type of guys because with, with a bit more freedom and a bit more security to just be able to get on with it, you can see that like there's a quality player there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like going into the breakout, I was I was I was quite quite confident that we would be better with no fans there because at, at the end of the day, like our fans have become toxic um, for one reason or another, and me me on a personal level, like I'll support the team through thick and thin, but I'll also call out the fans before I call out the players if if we mm. do start getting those boos at halftime and stuff like that. So. I've been glad for it, and it looks like the players have too. Does does anyone think the fans are justified? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're justified. You know, like I suppose in this sort of in this sort of context, we have to think of like the bigger picture. Fans pay the money; they want to see their team win. Um, they might take their kid, or they might have a day off work, and they come to watch Tottenham play. You know, especially at the new stadium, which it does make it quite a spectacle if you don't go often or if you go regularly. It's just something you do every weekend. So obviously, I'm, I think there's, to an extent, they, there's, there's going to be a little bit of expectation. But, you know, as it's been rightly stated, like, they are professionals and this is the sort of thing that comes with playing at the top level. Mm-hmm. Um, they're never going to be perfect, but they're also not terrible. You know, there's not many people that can really swap positions with them and, do any better in my in my opinion so you kind of have to give some of these players a benefit of the doubt I think the fans as well I think at Tottenham it's a funny one because we've we've had all these years of our relative success in terms of us improving as a football team um, us growing as a football club being like a bit, having a bit more respect given to us and you know whilst we did play a lot of positive attractive you know football under Pochettino you know effectively we didn't win anything mm. and you know whilst I'm not Mourinho's biggest fan I'm going to be on the mindset that if we win games like Tyler said if we keep winning 3-0 and not playing that well and importantly win the big games the important ones you know I'm not really going to I'm not really going to stand in his way you know so I, I mean I the, uh, the toxicity, sorry, James, that, uh, that comes with fans is uh, from the whole levy and NEIC thing as well. I especially see that on Twitter. And like, I see a lot of fans who go to games, kind of tweet about their unhappiness, about something just being unable to kick on since we kind of accidentally became title challengers <laughs> ahead of the project or the project and accidentally getting to the Champions League final. And we've just been like, Presumably, not been investing as much as we should have been into the playing squad. We've been comparing ourselves to Liverpool, who actually have a lower net spend over the last two years than us. And uh, a lot of people who have been like Levy and NEIC out, like fully right wing in that sense, have created a lot of toxicity from what I've seen. 
I mean, same question again, though. Are those people justified? Like, I don't want to talk about only the short term. But what about all uh, the, I think they get, those people come from the long term perspective? Like, they're thinking. There's definitely some frustrations, especially yeah. from um, the events in like 2016, where, you know, we did have money to spend, and Paul Mitchell recommended signing mm. Sadio Mane in that summer. Levy thought that was too much money. I think a lot of fans thought that was too much money as well. I remember thinking at the time that Liverpool were really paying this much for this guy. For money. I was against it, to be honest. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. Like, um, seeing Mane at Southampton, I, I thought he had potential. I was probably a bit more up for Sun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember, I think Levy must have just turned it down. Paul Mitchell then resigned, and we ended up spending 30 million on Musa Sissoko. Yeah. Which that was a massive pivot point. Like I'll give the fans that, but um, yeah, I'd say they can be quite justified. But at the same time, there needs to be more consideration to the timing of our new stadium as well. Like yeah, we haven't signed many. We, there was obviously that period we didn't sign anyone for eighteen months. But at the same time, we didn't have anyone like Barcelona come in and spend one hundred and fifty million on our players. Yeah, and none of these teams like Liverpool or Man City. We're building a brand new stadium, which unfortunately did go quite over budget as well. But we got bills, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's bills. true. I guess Liverpool showed you what happens when you spend the money right. You yeah, but right. you, you also have to look at money. Like, that's the main point. We spent the money. We just have yeah, you right. flapped it away on Chadley's and that. <laughs> I'm not dissing him, it? I'm not dissing him, but I mean, I've got to tell the truth. That's where the money went. If somebody asked you, like, where, what, what did you see for it? Get me a couple Chadley stepovers, Lamella's still there, still fighting. Yeah. If if Chadley is the better end of your spending, then that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Would you respect to him? I'll tie him there. And I think um, the the way how Liverpool showed how to spend the money, um, this is me sort of like just skimming over it. Not not really. I haven't looked at this in any detail. But to me, it feels like they overspent in places. So like they did overspend on money. They did overspend on maybe Oxley Chamberlain. There were players mm-hmm. where they competed, and I feel like that's a place where um, I think the, the Levy haters are a bit justified. Like there are places where we don't compete. I know it's because we've got bills and everything like that, but. I guess sometimes it feels like, can we make that next step? Like, I don't want to be the negative guy, but can we make that next step under these conditions? Or is that the thing that holds us back? I think, I, I think it's a balance. I, I, feel, I feel like people look at the whole situation with rose-tinted glasses. Like, in the Discord Live, I drummed in the number 15 years because by my recollection, the pivotal changing point for us was Lasagna Gate. Mm. So from that period onwards, Realistically, all we've seen is an upwards curve with a couple plateaus. We've not really dropped off from our standard too far. Mm-hmm. We've had, what, a couple seasons where we finished outside of the top six and then the next season we jumped back to fifth or fourth. So to become a consistent Champions League team, which we, have done, we, we had done under Poch, the next logical step for us is another ascent, if all things go well. And... If we look at Liverpool, as much as we can say, yeah, in, in, in this Klopp era, they've got it all right. They've got the right guys in, all of that stuff. It wasn't but a few years ago when they had the Suarez's and the Gerrards and all of those guys and f- finished second. Mm-hmm. And that was a disappointment given the position they were in. 
I don't feel like it's outside of the realms of possibility for us to emulate that type of uh, template because mm-hmm. ultimately we're, we're sort of getting spoiled by the fact that, all right, cool, we've been above Liverpool for how many years and now they've won a league, but they were doing it way before we were. So I feel like we have to respect the process in certain situations and unfortunately or fortunately, Levy's going to be the key to that. Yeah, and to um, continue the comparisons to Liverpool, which kind of hurt me after seeing what happened yesterday. Um, it was only a few years before the Suarez season where they had guys like Andy Carroll and Ricky Lambert up front. Yeah. Like football fans, I think, yeah. are so short-minded. It's like, why do we buy a new stadium? We could have bought X, Y, and Z. It's like football is a, it's a marathon, a sprint. We all want to see our team win the quadruple every single season. It's not going to happen, man. We need to build the infrastructure, in, infrastructure first, then build the training ground and the stadium, which we've done now. And just start to start to slowly buy the the right players in the right positions for the right amount of money, without doing a league and going bankrupt or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we might not win the season, the league next season or the season after that or the season after that. But anything can happen in football, man. Anything can happen. And speaking of that momentum, building up the club, <laughs> Son made a comment. Um, you know, I don't actually know where he made this comment, but apparently Sun made a comment because I was trying to find the source. But apparently Sun wants Europa League. So he doesn't want us to finish outside, um, outside of the, the European positions. Yeah. And I don't know. Sometimes I guess I think maybe that is like a minimum requirement for building this project. I know that we, we, we kind of came on here last week and we were talking about how good it would be sort of like to not have that distraction. But... Um, in terms of like the good players or, or the, the, the level of players that we need to attract, is that something that can distract them, like not having that kind of football, that European football? You mean, are you saying the lack of it could be? Yeah, the lack of it, sorry. So Sun wants, he wants us to be in Europe, he said. Um, I mean, I think there's, there's positives in terms of like, you know, player recovery and not having to worry about certain things um, if they're not playing, should we say, if they were talking about that particular... Um, tangible um, and then you know they, they would have more to the, yeah, I, think, I think the biggest thing would just be recovery time and maybe lack of distraction um, and I know this isn't necessarily answering your question but I think I just found the bit where Son was talking about it I tried to breeze through quickly but I think for me personally I think it's because Son doesn't come out and say a lot to my knowledge Yeah. Um, I think it's quite a good thing that someone like Son especially as, as opposed to I don't know like Toby or Lloris has come out and said it someone who's maybe less media savvy that maybe that shows a bit like he actually wants he wants the silver he's physically come out and said like you know let's let's actually go for it so it's like well if son is saying that that must be something that is emanating through the whole squad you know Mourinho has probably said to you've worked so hard for all the things you have the salary the status the success and with that image there's a drink one to unwind one to loosen up one to take the edge off but how do you know when a drink is more than just a drink we get it. We can help. Karen's Grandview program has been helping accomplished people just like you regain their lives. Talk to us. Visit karen.org slash Grandview. He's man, wait, like, this is, forget that it was Celta Vigo and that, like, this is my bag, so we're going to get this. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I actually see it as quite a positive thing, really. It's true. I, I totally back that as well, because, like, as you said, Son doesn't come out and say much, but People just thinking of like a professional level, like it's a trophy. And whilst we haven't had much luck on that front, 
it's still some sort of European pedigree. You know, you still want to beat the best teams, even the ones that come that come out of the Champions League, and you still want to you know play in the big games. Like, yeah, they might not be the Champions League, but you know, the opportunity to get yourself back into the Champions League, whilst also being able to get silverware, is always a big. It must always be a big, you know. Um, want for the players you can't like ignore it and whilst yes it might be a distraction I feel like the comments that Mourinho has made as well has kind of also further pushed that narrative that actually this is something that you know maybe we haven't taken seriously enough in the past and there's no reason why with fully fit squads maybe some additions and us playing the right way that we that again like when we go into it hopefully next season that uh, we can't come out with you know some silverware you know I agree. So, like, um, how how would you guys rate Mourinho's performance so far out of five? <sighs> that sounds like an eye test kind of thing. Like, I didn't want deep thought on this. I thought I'd throw it on you. I'm I'm gonna say three and a half hmm. because I think with a four, I'd I'd have given him a five if we were third, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd have given him a four if we were fourth. The reason I've given him three and a half is going back to my top four Sam Allardyce comment. Like, remember where we were, like physically in the table. Remember how we were playing. Remember how defensively sus we looked. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't look fantastic, but a lot of those little things have gone. Do you know what I'm saying? Son looks a bit more fit and firing, even though Lucas Moore just loves running with his head down. Just, I'm loving the tenacity from him. People say what they want to say about Lacelso, but Lacelso is starting to feed off this shithousery that Lamella's doing. Lacelso spent half the time just slide tackling man in centre mid, yeah. and I'm sure he's probably done more slide tackles against Leicester than he's done his whole time at Real Betis. But there's things that I'm seeing that I wasn't seeing before Herzig popped up. Mm. Um, we're propping up the table. We beat Arsenal again. We've got three wins on the bounce. That that's that's my rationale behind three. And obviously, I'd love to be high. I'd love to give him a four. So I want the club to do well, but. That's my rationale for three and a half. Hmm. Anyone would, would anyone else give anything different or I'll go with the four. Um I agree with like all of our highest points as well. And just to summarise it, it looks like I'd say most ninety percent of the squad have bought into Mourinho and his man management style. I know it's not in, like for everyone, but ever since the Sheffield United game, you've seen everyone kind of come together in that sense. And uh, yeah, we, obviously with the results we've got since then as well, I'll just give it a four. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, to be fair. Nice. So, I mean, if we ignore sort of the transition from um, our bad form to the good form and just sort of focus on maybe the last five games, um, 13 points, I think one out of 15 available. What would you rank that out of five? I'd give that a five. Five. So, no, does anybody here think it's a fluke? Because that's that seems to be the vibe amongst. <laughs> no, I would, I, would, I, would, I would say it's probably a four and a half, five. But then, you know, if, you look, if you look at the opposition that we have played in those games, in my opinion, these are games that we really should be winning, you know. So, if he's winning these games or getting sort of near max points at the, at the bare minimum, that's what that's what we, would, we, would, we should be ranking him, really, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Just on, on the topic of results, do you know who's pissing me off? Charlie Nicholas. Have you seen what this man has been saying, bro? No, he doesn't really. I'm vexed, bro. He didn't even score 50 goals for Arsenal and he's talking rubbish. I've had enough of him already. 
talking rubbish. He was said he got lucky against Arsenal. Like he said Newcastle should have got something. All these people should have got something. Okay, they're not getting. But where anything. are we now with your dead? <laughs> Just because no one laughs at your jokes that you make with Jeff Stelling. No, it's still, it's still, it's still like trendy to hate Tottenham, like all of these teams, and I feel like Mourinho made it worse as well. Like, mm. no, but it's funny though because you say it's trendy to hate Tottenham, but if you think about everyone, mm. especially the Londoners, they all hate us, and it's just like, who are our biggest rivals? West Ham always want to beat us when they play us. Yeah. Arsenal always want to beat us when they when they play us. Chelsea always want to beat us when they play us. So sometimes you kind of think. Is it you, man, or is it actually us? Because we ain't doing nothing wrong. We're, 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 you, man. <laughs> we're not sending from no one. We're not doing anything silly. And all of a sudden, they're, they're man. Like, it's just funny, the other night, when, when Sai was taking a hit, Sai was taking a hit from left, right, and centre. And I was thinking, how are these men coming for the site when they just got beat by Miller? I can't believe it. Like, they've thrown the narrative completely off. When they just got panned by Villa, like I can't believe it. It was so to me when I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, no, I'm not listening to that, man. Maybe maybe we are a big club, but all these other big teams apparently, you know, they all hate Tottenham like the most. Mm. So when they, when they talk, it's just like whatever, man. You, you just get used to it, man. Mm. I think there's a, there's envy there. Whether whether or not these lot can actually visibly see on, there's envy in it. At the mm. end of the day, like when 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 you're in a team that hasn't always been successful, there's always something to be optimistic about. Yeah. But these Arsenal men especially, it's like, we've been their biggest rival forever. I mean, them, them, them not cheer for Chelsea, they cheer for this team, they cheer for that team. There's even men in groups or whatever that support West Ham and Arsenal. <laughs> 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 oh, like, I couldn't say that though, seriously I couldn't for each half of the table <laughs> really, like the sentiment always remains whoever we're facing facing the energy mm. is fucking in it like mm. that is it always, and like I feel I feel like that is a thread that we have as as Spurs Spurs guys that a lot of teams they've they've never really the fan bases haven't really been able to discover that because their number one priority is how do I stay afloat in a conversation? Whereas for, for us, man, it's like we get abused so much that we just have a thick skin. So we always have a comeback. Whether or not That's people it. feel like it's credible or not, we've always got something in the tuck. And that, that for me is, is where my pride comes when I wear all the plethora of shirts I've got in the closet. Look at the drip, baby. I <laughs> <laughs> first start bringing my nuts, shit. <laughs> Let's see, though. I mean, I think, I think, I feel what you just said is 100% spot on. And I think that is sort of like what Mourinho is starting to get into the players as well. That like, kind of takes me back to the into whole intelligent cunts thing. Like, you, mm. you know, do you get what I mean? Like, if people are going to sort of hate you or, they, or they're going to want to challenge you, they're always going to want to try their hardest against you. Like, you just got to, you got to have thick skin for that. And you just got to be smart about how you do it, how you come back. And it does seem like, sort of, we, how would I explain it? It felt like, as a group, that strength wasn't there at the beginning of the season. Mm. I, I didn't feel like there was a team for me. It just felt like whoever's, whoever's coming out on the pitch, it could be anybody who's going to make the mistake. I know everybody was onto Oreo. And I think we should talk about that at some point as well. Like, um, I haven't looked at this in much detail, but I was looking at Oreo's stats and they weren't as bad as I thought they would be, you know, like, from the eye test, if you get what I mean. 
his defensive stats though, specifically. Like I think it was something like one defensive mistake leading to a goal for the whole season or something like that, or two. And he I think with Aurier is because obviously because he's made like one or two high profile ones, everyone just has this natural inclination mm. to watch for the next one. Everyone's just a bit nervous. And I think like because I from because there's times I do watch it and it's like it's not like he get he doesn't get twists up all the time. Mm. He doesn't get turned all the time. But when he the one time he does, it's a big one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's live on match of the day. It's the it's the new meme on Twitter. Everyone's calling Oreo fraud like it's like everyone's waiting for it. Do you know what I mean? Um I know, yeah, we, we understand that. I'm not saying he's like the most the, the best defensive uh, defender in the league, like he's obviously not. Um but yeah, I think I think it's just a case of people just ready to, are ready to be on him. And I think because some of the misplay, because he gets away with some of the misplaced passes, maybe they don't come up so much on the stats as well, or mm. someone is ready to clean up. So maybe that's why we can also see that side of him, as opposed to a non-Tottenham fan who's just waiting for him to make that mistake, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think he's like from from our production, like from yeah, an assist point of view, like stats again. But I think he's third for us for assists or, for, or yeah, or second I think he's third. Just I do believe like he's uh, second in the league for right backs as well for assists in the league. There you go. So it, 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 second it, only to Trent. Like he definitely gives he gives us something on that right wing, and I think like because um, we're coming to the end of the season now, like just trying to look at everything with a balanced balanced hat on. I guess I feel like he's had a more positive season than negative. Overall, yes. yeah. But is yeah. is he second due to incision or is he second due to volume? Volume. I'd say definitely volume, volume, yeah. Volume. I mean, he, I mean, if he's if he really been honest, his numbers could be way higher as well. Mm-hmm. Another thing Every as well, move. he's he's I guess like Mourinho took away a lot of his defensive duties from him, mm-hmm. so he's he's it feels like maybe he's not in the position as much mm-hmm. to make as many mistakes. If Donny learns how to cut back next year, so wrap twenty six. Don't you think there's a lot of similarities between him and some of the other guys that we've had on that right flank though, like? The same stuff got lobbied at Lennon. Lennon couldn't pick out a final ball. Mm-hmm. Carl Walker as well. I think they're very similar. Walker made a lot of mistakes for us. At, mm-hmm. with the, the true, true. I forget about it's light skin privilege. I was just thinking, just as a, like, a really quick question and not to take the, the host duties off you era, but out of... <laughs> Carl Walker, Kevin Trippier, and Serge Aurier. Who's been our best right back? Because I'm, I'd stick my neck out, and as it stands, I'd probably say Serge. Best, uh, best right back out of those three. Yeah, I want to say Walker because he was the right back when we was at our best. But I actually think Kieran Trippier. You know, I was gonna say Trippier. I think Trippier. I actually think Trippier. Yeah, I'm on Trips. Do you know why? I feel like Trips was the most consistent, and I know that sounds crazy. But you out of, those three. All, out of all of those three, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Out of all of those three, they all had defensive yeah. mistakes in them. And I just feel like Trips was the most consistent across attack and defence. Yeah, I'd probably say that as well. Don't know if I'm right, though. I might have to think about it a bit more. No, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. I, just, I keep remembering Trippier for that last season. It was funny. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. But um, That one could split the listeners a fair bit, you know, because I'm... Because I looked at you a bit sideways when you said Serge Owen, but when I'm deep in everything, I'm like, yeah, it's difficult to argue when you look at the defensive incapabilities sometimes of the yeah. other two. Because 
Trippier's first season, as you said, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Started to look a bit sus, then he went to uh, Camp Simeone. But what I will say about Walker, maybe it was just because of his blinding speed. People were, it seemed like teams were less inclined to get at him. Yeah. Whereas teams seemed yeah. a lot more inclined to get at these two. So, Absolutely. but is, is that just, is that an intangible? I don't know. Like it's, so that's a much harder question than I initially thought, to be fair. I think Walker speaks for himself, though. He's made, he made, like, what? He made the biggest impact of any of those guys in terms mm-hmm. of offering us a balance in either a free out of back or a flat four. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was thinking what, that. Young, young, player, young player of the year as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty sure he's made Premier League 11s. Yeah, so I think yeah. on on the basis of everything, you got to look at it as, in its entire entirety. I do think it's Walker by quite a substantial margin, mm. but I don't think his deficiencies are masked as much as people would say. Mm. Um, I feel like he was always a bit of a liability defensively, but obviously we were a better team at that point, so they weren't as highlighted in certain certain periods. But yeah, Walker for me without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, um, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember if the Trippier, yeah, Trippier was in the um, the Champions League squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does yeah. that? I mean, does being yeah. in the Champions League does being a Champions League runner-up trump? I guess um, being in the team of the season. For anyone? Nah, probably. No, I wouldn't say that because I swear, if you're if you're in the team of the season, it's really you're being judged judged on your body of work as in the season. Whereas you can look at sort of in Champions League, what ten games that are kind of highlights throughout the season for you mm. to get there. And fortunately, you know, people could say that we lucked our way there. So I would actually say to have a body of work over the season and say that you're on a team, you're on the team of the season is probably a higher accolade. I'd say. Mm. I think I still feel like we've done Trippier wrong man (laughs) having Trippier here with Boris right now I think would be a good move would be a great move he was just so so defensively sus in his last season he needed a break I think man he needed a break Um, can we still miss that period that Pochettino period or do you think it's just nostalgia at this point like, have we have we completely moved on? Is this Mourinho's team, like, or is he still playing with what team? I wouldn't say it's necessarily Mourinho's team. Like, the one thing I I do think is that there's a lot of players. Obviously, Pochettino was a manager for quite a significant period where we I would say we improved as a team, and there's a lot of players that you know he kind of oversaw players that I would say he improved. Mm. So there's always going to be a lot of comparisons, not only because he's the most recent manager, but because a lot of the players that are in the team are players that he kind of had his imprint on. Um, whilst I think like the way he did play was, I mean, some of the best I've ever seen Tottenham play terms of how attacking it was, yeah. in terms of how creative I thought we were, how dominant as well we were, you know, even in bigger games against uh, some of the top teams. But I think slowly, like, the one creeping thing that used to always get me about Pochettino's teams was that, like, if there was a chink in the armour, if a team found it, 
that was pretty much it. And it would be quite easy for us to basically, at one point or another, just fall apart. So let's say, for instance, examples, um, the night at the bridge where, you know, we were playing for the very, very good, in my opinion, first half. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, that seemed to just fall apart, head seemed to go. Or that last sort of, uh, that 15-minute period at Wembley against Juventus where, you know, all we needed was a bit of a change in the tactic to kind of cope with what they were doing. Didn't happen. Yeah. And then we pretty much fell apart in that game, which I believe was a winnable match, you know? Bro, I'm so it's kind of, you know, or even like, you know, I think there was about the Juventus game, you know, that's all about the There was a game One more game. The game against... Uh, it was in the it was in the season where we were trying to catch Leicester, and I think we needed to win at home against West West Brom. West Brom. West Brom. West Brom. And yeah, I just the bridge that one. Oh, and I just thought, oh my god, like you know, these are, these are so so many so many little things that kind of pointed to me being like, we just needed that extra little bit. So I feel like whilst it's not Mourinho's team, from what I'm seeing, it looks like he's starting to. Him build like a bit more steel, a bit more mentality. Like even like watching that little clip on the documentary of him saying them, I love that. I think that's mad because I'm just like, if he's saying that to the players, then I I would want to be an intelligent. I want to be an intelligent cunt. I want to be an intelligent (laughs) bastard to be able to try and do what I can in the best possible way to win. And I think that's just a little thing that we've we've missed. Like people always use this meme. You know that meme from that Juventus guy about. This is the history of the Tottenham. That pisses me off so much. It pisses me off so much because it's so right. And you're like, I want people to not like link that sort of mentality, that sort of like mm. opinion to, to Tottenham, you know? Mm. Don't, you think, don't you think it's easy to link that mentality when you just fail at the last hurdle, though? It's, for me, something that's never really sat well with me because I remember when Redknapp came in, one of the first things he said is, I don't want to see But we brought in Wilson Palacios. We go into the game against Arsenal and we look a totally different side. In the following years, we were competitive with all of the top four teams. So realistically, at that moment, for me, we shift that, that sort of stigma of being soft underbellied. Obviously, AVB came in and it didn't really hit off the way that it was supposed to, but we still beat Manchester United for the first time in the Premier League. So, again, that soft underbelly narrative sort of got dissipated. We'll skip over Sherwood because he's a <laughs> prick. Um, <laughs> we, get, we, get to a, <laughs> we get to Pochettino and ultimately we were just suffocating teams every, every game. And we managed to break that top four. We finished above Arsenal for the first time. So, Again, that narrative only really came back into the fold once we started to fail at the point where our, our sort of expectations sort of uh, got sort of heightened by something that wasn't really supposed to happen. So for me, I take it with a pinch of salt when I hear guys from Juve or guys from here or guys from there. because When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, 
No Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. We wouldn't have been in the Champions League final to lose mm. if we hadn't put on a heroic effort mm. against Ajax. Ajax. Yeah. So it's like, you can't really pick and choose because the last time we won, we won with a team that was soft as shit. Yeah. I think, I don't know what it is about. I just think it's just the soundbite, just the way he said it, bro, the melody of it, everything from us. <laughs> I'm so triggered by that shit, bro. The history. Ah, oh, I hate it, bro. Yeah, you said it with some Demille sauce on top as well, man. Bro. Bro, it's the, the glee, the happiness in his face when he oh, said it. Bro. I was hurting, man. That's one of my worst Tottenham moments. I, I don't even know why I, why I have it so high up, but I hate that moment, bro. I don't even like talking about it. So, let's move on, please. Let's go to... Um, you guys want to go through listener questions? Yeah, man. Ooh. I guess because it's the first time we're doing this, I don't even know what's the best way to do it. Should we go? Can I just say, like, hold, hold tight, everyone that just dropped the question because we were thinking For about it. Like, oh, like, mm. So, in the fourth pod, should we? And then Owen was like, oh, fuck it, man, let's do it. And now, like, on a level, like, just thank you, everyone who actually just took time to, like, just tweet us and shit. Like, it's appreciated. For real, man. And, like, even, like, thanks to the Tottenham fans, but it looks like there were fans of almost every club, like, throwing questions out as well. So, thanks to, like, the wider. The wider fan base as well. Like everyone, stay locked in. I like, keep sharing with your friends. Um, I wanted to say, do you guys want to do this? Should I just ask all the questions, or do you guys want to go? Like, should we go question for question? Have you guys got it open as well? Uh, yeah, I've got it open. I don't mind. How do you want to run it? Yeah, should we just all pick out a question that we we think is good? I mean, I'll go first. Uh, do you, um do you trust Mourinho in the transfer market? From that's from at Paul Gibbons. I don't trust Mourinho and I don't trust... I think Mourinho and Levy is potentially the worst combination to go into the transfer market. Um, I, I, I literally just have my fingers and toes crossed for Lewis Campos. Like, this is the guy who, as I said on the pilot, this is the guy who brought in Bernardo Silva, uh, Fabinho, uh, Benjamin Mendy, uh, Tommy Lamar, all to Monaco before they blew. Mm. I'm fairly certain he, was, he, he had something to do with the Mbappe deal as well. Um, and like his credentials speak for himself, you know. I, I get, I appreciate not all the top clubs have um, a director of football, like you know. Um, I think Madrid don't, but Madrid's Madrid. Um, United don't, but again, United's United. Um, but I think if we want to get to that next stage, and you know, Mourinho's already shown he can do stuff a bit differently on the pitch with his flexibility. Let's hope. I mean, it depends on the parameters that he's given as well, because you know some directors of football are just there to. To, to discuss the transfers. Some are there to handle it a bit more. Some of them are more of a long-term thing. So is it like, how, just how much leeway is the director going to get? Um, but I think, I trust them man with Luis Campos ahead of them. That is my answer. Any other answers? Or? Word for word, probably what I was going to say on that one. Because right. that answers another question as well. Because someone else asked, should we get a director of football? Lewis Campos would be great. Like, he done great work at Lille as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if he's at the head of the transfer committee, I'd trust that, but not. I wouldn't trust, trust Mourinho and Levy on the transfer committee as it is now. Are we going to have, like, a, a repeat of, I guess, the same thing where Campos is suggesting players and Levy's like... 
Boy, we got Declan Rice at home or, or something like that. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, <laughs> I hope that it's going to be different. I, I, I mean, Poch, when he signed his new deal, made a big song and dance about conversations he had had with Levy about being more uh, creative in the transfer market and having money to spend. And we saw how that ended. But I can't see Mourinho coming in without certain assurances and leave you with a certain level of understanding that we can't really afford to make the same failings. Um, yeah, as, as, a, as, a, as a full sort of a agreement with Ohio, I would say, yeah, it, with that structure, I'd be, I'd be quite confident that we can get it right. Without it, I think it could be a disaster. Love it. I've got, uh, I've got a question. Just while we're on the topic of transfers, I've got a question from Houdini. At Houdini, he says, what are your expectations for next season? Uh, what reality, What rea- realistic moves do you want to see in this window? Don't say Zanolo. Zaniolo. <laughs> I see rumours for Zaniolo today. I can't lie. <laughs> you know, everyone saw the goal as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone saw the goal. Very saucy. You would love saucy. to see it. I can't lie. You would love to see it. I think, um, like... I don't know. With the whole Zaniolo thing, I think players of that, um, yeah, like players, prospects like that, I think it all comes down to what point of their career they think they believe they're at. Like, are they after money at this stage of their career or are they after playing time? Because, I mean, we can definitely offer Zaniolo sort of playing time, or I don't know, actually, under Mourinho, if he wants that kind of player. But we can offer, I guess, more playing time than, than some of the top clubs, some of the other top clubs. I just don't think we can offer the same amount of money. So it's, it's up to so them. Who, so re- realistically, who do you man think you could see? I'll, I'll link it into a question from um, at Ajay underscore. Mm. So they sent, I'm glad they sent six questions, but to try and link it to one. So obviously, who Daniel was like, who do you think we can realistically get? And then Ajay has said top three positions to address. So like, Tyler, Tyler what, what do you think? I mean, I think we're all in agreement that the positions they need strengthening are probably fullbacks another central defender, a defensive midfielder, and probably a backup to Harry Kane. Mm. It's just about finding the right guys. I mean, the, the two people we've been linked heavily with is Hoiberg, Hoiberg, and um, the Korean brother from the Chinese mm. League. Mm. I've, I've, big seen, I've never seen of him. Yeah, I've never seen anything from him. Oh, yeah, no, I watch him all the time, man. What do you mean? But they're the kind of guys we're going after. I mean, the Zaniola one would be amazing, wouldn't it? But mm. it just smells like, see when um, players try to drum up media interest just to get a new deal. Like, mm. Arsenal get done with it all the time with like guys like Partey and Arsenal fans always buy into it. So, oh, we're going to get Thomas Partey. No one wants to join your club. Yeah, no one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, Ty. Tell them. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. We need we need some British players for the homegrown quarter. We need some cheap young prospects. Are we gonna get it? I don't I think know. Max front. Aaron's like fitting that yeah. that profile that you just spoke of. Um, is he the best right back? No, I don't think so. But I think he's up there in terms of like some of the best homegrown fullbacks that are actually going to be available. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you put that parameter on it, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, it is hard. Like I think when we're talking about what's realistic for me with Spurs, I've always found it hard. Like I, I genuinely don't know what's realistic for Spurs. Sometimes, like I would look at Lucas Moura, and I, I wouldn't have thought that was realistic before he came. Um, personally, 
Lesoso, I had no idea. I didn't know if Bruno Fernandez was gonna come. Like when it starts getting to um, Dybala and players like that, then I, I know like, yeah, come on, you're having a laugh. <laughs> 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 yeah. well, can't lie. When when the Dybala thing was popping off, there was a part of me that was believing. You know, bro, <laughs> I, was like, I had one wish. But I was sending me, selfies man. in the group chat doing a Dybala pose as well, just sitting <laughs> this the whole time with the side eye. I was convinced he was at the training ground the whole day as well, but he was locked out. Yeah, we wanted that, and we ended up with the. Um... <laughs> I was doing that after Stevie. Stevie. Yeah. Stevie's That's my guy. Ah, oh, Stevie. Um, I think I think we've all been waiting for this question. Let me scroll and find it. Okay, so what's that? AJ or OJ? Uh, nah, nah. <laughs> quick, quick one apple juice or orange juice quick one uh, from hold tight at sg underscore thfc for that one for me i think apple's elite like especially uh, the cloudy yeah my guy well, well, well done it's, it's, elite. Cloudy. it's elite if you don't haven't tried the little brand you need to try that I'm giving that transfer the little if you want to sponsor the podcast you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a snob for apple juice as well, man. I don't drink in it, so mm. when when everyone's going out, I get the apple juice that looks like a beer. I'm going for that. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm at home, get some Capella apple juice. Capella's good. Capella yeah, slaps. That slap. That slap. Capella yeah. slaps. Love that. No cool. contest. Orange juice you can only have in the morning. Nah, Orange juice is kind of like nineties. I can't lie to you. You gotta leave that in the past, man. Let that shit go. Uh, <laughs> we got one from at Drill Shacks. Is it acceptable for a top six team to have an attacking midfielder have one assist and no goals in 27 games? And why are Tottenham fans refusing to accept that Geo is a flop? I'm going to hey, keep quiet. Whoever sent the question, yeah, just send me their postcode, didn't I? I just, <laughs> at Drill Shacks, we need you to DM the pod. <laughs> Come outside. <laughs> Come around the corner, man. Oh, they always come. That's the thing. Like, I, I just don't get how you can watch Lo Celso and that can be your opinion of him. Like, it just seems insane to me. Like, he's mm. he's in or around every goal. It's, he might as well be, for all effects and purposes, Ericsson at the moment. Like, I'm not saying he's the same player or anything like that. I just mean like just because he doesn't get the last touch before Kane shoots, doesn't mean he's not like vital, a vital part of our build up. And like, you know, I've also noticed, I, like, I don't know if it's because everybody wants everything quick. Not everyone's going to hit the ground running. Man's mm. never been in an English-speaking country before. How many injuries has he had? Of those 27 appearances that you see on Fantasy Premier League, only 14 of them have been starts. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's under mm. two different managers. Man are allowed time, do you know what I mean? One mm. minute he's playing 10, next minute he's playing deep-line playmaker. Man's changing roles in between games. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, man's... He just got here. Do you know what I mean? I think, like, yeah. Allow it. It's first to say he's one of the guys that can just get the assist before the assist. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And as well as obviously being extremely press resistant, he carries the ball extremely well. He's also been extremely like tenacious off the ball as well. He's there. He's tracking back. He's getting tackles in. He's shithousing, being a clever cunt. And he's been doing it all with an injury since the restart, apparently. So, full juice mm. to him. Yeah, I think it, it, at this point, it makes more sense to call Ndombele a flop than Le, than Le Soso. And obviously, I don't think Ndombele is a flop at all, but yeah. it just it, makes it, more it, sense. You have to, to yeah. yeah. 
Um, this one from at, under, at Blay underscore Vision. We kind of went over this point. Uh, he said, I've read, I didn't want to be biased and leave this one out. He said, why do Spurs always flop when it counts? But I like to feel we've kind of addressed the soft underbelly thing and we've addressed, you know, Mourinho and Stilling a bit more steel, a bit more yeah. mentality. Just, just quickly on that one, I don't know how you might... I remember there was a time when we were like free... We were free one up against Chelsea a couple of years ago and I was still very nervous that we might actually lose the game. Whereas now, we can be one nil up and I'm like, I'm right, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think we got that one. Uh, we got at HC Cams. He said, do you think we can become a devastating counter-attacking team next season? I'm showing against Leicester. And do you think the fans will accept this style of play? Mm. I think we kind of touched on that one as well. But um, we're not so much about a counter-attacking team. I do think we can become a counter-attacking team. Um, I found that when we're a bit defensive or when, when we played like a bit more negative, I think it suits Kane a bit because he's picking up the ball and people are bursting past him. So he's picking up the ball on the halfway line, but not with people already in front of him, like the whole the whole team um, or the whole the whole um, the whole opposition team sort of just um, chilling behind him in front of him. Sorry, now he's got people to pick out, and I think he likes doing that. If you get what I mean, like he can pick mm. out, he can drop back as a as looking like a ten or pick it up deep and, and pick people out, having willing runners like. Um, Jung and Son, the Celso in front of him, it works. And I think that's that's what he used to get from like when Deli Ali was in his um, best form as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting those two things together, man. I'm lo- I'm loving it. I don't know what you guys think. I think like yeah. since the restart, if you look at the two games we've dominated possession on, was the three-one loss to Sheffield United and the nil-nil to Bournemouth. So yeah. I feel like with our current personnel, especially with our main midfielder frozen out at the moment we kind of have to just play to our strengths and our strengths are Lucas and Son's pace Kane being the best striker in the world and ah. and guys like Lascelles who are tidy and can pass the ball quickly forward mm. and I feel like we're, we're doing really well as a camp as a counter-attacking team okay I don't want to run over how, m- how many questions you say we've got left if we I wanted to um, touch on one uh, Val Noon uh, 13 where is Mbappe uh, he's living comfortably in France um, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you think Harry Kane's best days are behind him? No. Oh, come oh, on. Absolutely, absolutely not. Like This is the uh, evolution, baby. People, people, <laughs> need to un- people, people need to understand that, like, this guy is a shooter. Like, not only has he proved himself on a number of different levels, but if you watch the sort of, the sort of player he is, like, he knows exactly what to do when the ball is at his feet, you don't mm. see any dilly dallying. You don't see any drop in his confidence in in like in his in his ability to do what he wants. I do believe, whether we like to accept it or not, that the injuries have had an effect on his all round game because you know, as I mentioned before, like this is a twenty six year old who's kind of coming to sort of the peak of his ability, and he, whilst he can't do what he used to do physically, I believe. Things like anticipation, positioning, finishing, you know, you don't really lose those things. And the number of goals to games, especially, mm. it really shows that he hasn't, you know, lost a little touch. Like, this guy this season has had an injury that basically put him out for a, a minimum three or four month period. 
And still, he's on 15, 16 goals this season in like 22 games. Um, I, I think I saw a stat the other day where by him being on 201 or 202 goals in the number of games that he's played, I think he's only like three or four goals behind Shearer at the same age, at the same point when he was playing. So if his trajectory is like this and he's going to play seasons where potentially he doesn't have any injuries, I mean, I I really don't see how we can stop him. Like people were saying, oh, he's finished, he's dusted. But even even under Mourinho, like the guy's been scoring goals for fun. Yeah, I just I just feel like he just gets so much disrespect in this country, and I don't understand why. Like I really just don't get it. Like every he level, Tottenham. Every yeah, level, this guy just plays. Like, it's just trendy. Scores, man. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary. I mean, I'm like even talking of like top goal scorers in the league. I think Harry Kane's played mm. something like 500 minutes less than Aubameyang or something like that, and he's he's only three goals behind. Like. What's, I don't get it. Like, how? Why, why would his best years be behind him? It doesn't make any sense, like, from any angle that you look at it, I don't think. Um, I was touching on it a bit in the, the Leicester breakdown, but I feel like we didn't spend enough time talking about Harry Kane in that game. I think it was the best game I've seen him play for how long? Yeah. How long? I mean, his second goal was out of this world. It was sublime. I mean, he, we've seen him score similar goals against Arsenal with the, the mask off celebration, mask mm-hmm. off and stuff. And then the goal against Stoke as well in the 16-17 season, mm. which was really similar. Um, and I feel because Kane is so good, the pass to Sun where Sun slipped to the last moment, we threaded it through the line. The second goal, we kind of just expect it from Harry Kane when we're really we don't give this guy enough credit. Like, like I said before, he's the best striker in the world. You know, he's never won Fans Player of the Season. Scary, 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 scary. You don't appreciate him enough. And when he bounces to Real Madrid and, and starts scoring goals for fun over there, we be like, we probably should have appreciated him a bit more, man. You'll see when you're dead. You'll see when you're dead. Honestly, he's that player, like, in, in 15 years, like, people will be talking about how Kane was, the, like, one of the best players, one of the best strikers that the league's ever seen. Like, I think rival fans... You know, like how um, I had a mate that said it, like oh, he's an Arsenal supporter, but he's he's you just be like he'd never say that Van Nistelrooy was good during the years that they had their little rivalry, which was probably like one year to be honest. But he would never say Van Nistelrooy was good. But looking back, that's when they start saying that those players are good, and I think that's how it is with Kane. The difference is obviously he plays for Spurs, and everyone hates Spurs. It's not like we just have one rival. Van Nistelrooy was scary, boy. Yeah. I think one of, one of the big things with Kane as well is people don't understand his game. Uh, mm. this, this narrative that like he's at his best when he's just poaching around the boxes entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, false. Completely like, false. The guy came through the ranks as, as a number 10. Like, <laughs> he wears a number 10 for a reason. He knows who his heroes were. And his game is very much modelled around guys who can pick the ball up from deep get involved in play and then be a, the last man to arrive in the box. And that's when he's at his best. He ran the length of the pitch to score to score one of the goals. Uh, I think it was the first one. First one, yeah. yeah. And that's the first time I've seen him run freely in probably about eight months mm. because he's been nursing injuries. So, again, it's, it's very easy when players, players aren't, aren't shooting on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders, I should say. Uh, to basically discount them, discount their ability, or even just cast aside their fitness. But as we've seen, the guys had a run of games, had the chance to get fit, 
and now he looks the best in the world again. Yeah. I want to try and combine two questions here. So we've got one from at THFC underscore AJ says, so we kind of touched on it a little bit. So do you think Hoybier could be the answer to our crisis and defensive mid if he does sign? And then off the back of that, I'm going to add at whole lot of Rafi says, see a lot of first fans say we should sell Delhi, which I find absurd. But how do we fit Delhi in if the plan is to play 4 3 3 with Hoybier? For the second part of that question, before we, we get to Hoybier, can do you guys think Delhi can play that sort of backup to Kane? He, he has that sort of shadow striker in his, in his locker. What can do you think he can do the solo striker like, as a? It still scores more than Firmino. That's for sure. Yeah, he could definitely like do it. Oh, fucking hell. I think you can see that Harry Kane video with um, announcing the birth, uh, the gender of his new kid. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's for Mino, the baby be born before he even finds out the gender. <laughs> <laughs> Certain man, I never find it out the, the gender of their babies. <laughs> I, think, I think that Delhi has the ability, the way Delhi plays now, because we've seen him potentially try and lead the line on his own, doesn't quite work. Mm. We've seen what he's asked to do when he gets close. Sometimes his, his, um, his mind in the final third isn't always on point. We know he wants to be Mr. Mr. Run onto it, run onto it in the box. He he ha- if he wants to start, he has to adapt. Do you know what I mean? Like Son's gonna stay. Delhi's I don't ex- I, I don't like seeing Delhi on the right in any way, shape, or form. And Mora is effectively defensive winger these days. And then on the break, like it's it's on Delhi if he, if he wants to fit in the system. He's got to turn around, but like you know what? There's no room to play shadow striker here. Um, you know I've got to be ready when Kane's out to drop deep and do the same thing. Or, you know, is it a case of where maybe where Son's out or if he plays with Son and they swap sides and then he thinks more, let me get less involved in the build-up and I'm more involved in the break. I don't know. But then are we now asking ourselves to sort of, without the ball, play with 10 guys? And I, I don't know. He's just got to adapt. Mm. Definitely. Definitely has to adapt as a player. Like, he's been, you know, he's been known for a lot of different attributes, you know, in that sort of support striker sort of role. And I feel like for him to fit into the current team, he definitely has to adapt his game. And I think also, personally for him, he has to improve on a number of different fronts, man. Like, I feel like when you watch him, he gets so frustrated with, with himself. Mm. And sometimes the fans can get quite frustrated with him. And whilst I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a bad player, the player that I know, Deli Ali, you know, we really haven't seen that player for a little while now. And I just want him to regain that fire in his belly as that that guy who burst onto the Tottenham scene, you know, from MK Dons as in like at this as this unknown quantity, who was happy to get very much involved in everything that was happening, as opposed to if one of his flicks or one of his passes doesn't go off, that his head goes down, and he gets frustrated. I feel like the next season is very important in his development. Like this is a kid who's only like twenty four, I think, so or twenty three or twenty four. So mm-hmm. like whilst his career is still ahead of him. I definitely, definitely agree with the notion that I think as a player now, especially in this Tottenham team with Mourinho, he definitely has to develop. Right. But there's, you know, there's a player there, but I don't know. I think there's a, like sort of a space for him in if we do transition fully into this counter-attacking style, um, given that he's such a willing runner. I think there, there is a place for him. I just don't know if that's a starting place and I don't know who I'd want to 
to sacrifice to get him into it as well. So, um, yeah, okay. inconclusive there. What do you guys think of um, Hoiberg? I think, sorry, we missed that part. No, we didn't miss the Hoiberg one, yeah. Any any thoughts? I think he yeah, could, he could I read play stuff it. like where Hoiberg's this season um, was statistically comparable to Wanyama's 16-17 season, which we all... Mm-hmm. Well, I really enjoyed watching Wanyama play in that season. So if we can get him to replicate any sort of form like they shown at Southampton, maybe surrounding with better players like we do have at Tottenham compared to them. Who knows, man? Who knows? We definitely need a guy who's just going to do the dirty work, tackle, give the ball to the, the more flair players. Is Hoiberg that guy? Probably. I don't know. I don't know who else we can get. I've seen these football manager um, Twitter people that just say, oh, get Kondogbia, get Zakaria. Like, we're not in the market for these kind of men, innit? Like, we need to use players to get Hoiberg in. Like, mm. that's our level right now. And I feel like to bring in a captain of a Premier League team, who let's not forget Pep Guardiola was gushing about when he was a teenager going through a Bayern. Maybe Jose can have one last, like, trick up his sleeve and, and get him playing really good football again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, last two for me, if anybody wants to take over. I'm not sure what, what time is saying right now. Uh, so yeah, second to last uh, at can underscore man underscore d can man um, highlight and low light of the season. Oh, low light seven two man. Yeah, oh, oh, man at the game. Oh, seven two man, that was something else, man. That was yeah, that, just the overall realization that Pochettino's era was over <sighs> before the calendar year had even come in for twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, I think I think when I saw that Poch had been sacked, when that moment I was like, nah, it's actually <laughs> happened. Nah. That, that is, yeah. I would do a couple of days before Poch got sacked, I was calling for it, because at the time I was just I've had enough. And at the time it was it was my girl's birthday. I got to Seville and we was walking around the streets of Seville having a lovely time. I'm getting bare beats on my phone, so I check it. He said Pochettino has been sacked. I can't lie. A couple, couple man tears had to come out that night. Man. <laughs> I can't lie. Whole day ruined in the sun. Oh, holiday ruined. <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. I put a spin on that when when I saw that Jose had been finished. <laughs> <laughs> Energy. <laughs> I remember walking down the road in the rain, just like shaking my head. Just like, I'm cancelling my membership. This guy there, he's gonna take the soul out of my club. And then I had had about three sleeps, three days went by, and then I I felt a little bit better. And then highlights, highlights. Oh, Uh, highlights. I'm gonna take an easy one to say the North London derby, wouldn't it? Yeah, totally. I think that'll have to be mine. And they got scored the header as well. Highlight for me would has to be has to be Stevie's Stevie's goal against Man City. Like Ooh, in a season where we it. didn't have much to really like be happy about, for City to come to Tottenham and for Stevie to score that day and Tottenham to win, I think that's probably one of the best I felt all season. Even though it was a bit of a anomaly in in a season, but I think for him and for the club, I think it was a good thing as well. Actually, yeah, yeah I'd agree on that. And then the last, was there any more? If anyone wanted to shout out, I've got one more from me personally. Oh, uh, so, yeah, like, I know, so none of us have seen Alfie Devine at all, the <laughs> 15 year olds that we just signed. 
Um, and I didn't, I, it was, it was asked on the, on the coys.com pod I appeared and I didn't really get to say my bit. Because I think people, I know some people definitely are, why are we spending 500 bags on a 15-year-old, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a bit like, from what I've been, re- I've never seen a kid play in my life, but from what I've been reading, so got, for those who aren't aware, Alfie Devine got released from Liverpool at 11 years old. Um, and just from what I've been reading, the kid is unreal. Like he's been playing, I think he's been playing, if you're playing under under 23s at 15 years old, you have to be something. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I think he used to be a striker, plays a bit more um, like a box-to-box now, but obviously got eye for goal. Apparently he went to this tournament with England 16s and he won player of the tournament, as like, the, but he was the third youngest player in the whole tournament. And it's like, I understand that the priority has to be, you know, upgrading the first team where we can or filling in the massive holes and that. But if Alvaro Devine becomes a superstar at 20, and then we're going to read the same articles that we're always reading about missing out on Mbappe, missing out on Ronaldo and stuff, we'll be saying the same thing. Mm. So it's like, if, if Jose, of all people, is, is allowing a rubber stamp on, man, on a 15-year-old kid that is potentially going to develop, who knows? He, kid could be ready in three years. Do you know what I mean? So like, true, true, I've true. never seen a kid play in my life, but you know, I, we need a star boy. You know what I'm saying? I, I so, focus mm-hmm. on another situation like Marcus Edwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it could be a Marcus Edwards yeah. thing. I don't know, but I'm, we need I'm, to I'm fix halfway into the team. It feels like, but definitely happy to see those kind of players being bought. Like, I think it's important that we keep it up. But it's just, I just hope Mourinho doesn't kind of. In fact, no, I hope he does implement a pathway into the team because we didn't really have it on the pot either. To be we're 100 percent honest. I'm, I'm buying the stocks now. I think um yeah that's that's probably it for today unless anyone else wants to do any more any for anything else in there no just a quick shout out to Owen last week on on the main touchline pod I think he read the the, the the Tottenham boys very well held it down and held his own man so well done boy Hello. Alright, see you next time. On debut, has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh yeah! Does anybody want breakfast, guys? Let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. Sports Social Podcast Network.